At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. This is the Week 3 Sit Start Podcast. I am joined by Ryan Heath. As always, I am Eric Smith, and we're here to take you through all the most important sit start decisions for the week. We've uh, scoured Reddit for some of the the toughest decisions, um, and we're we're really just going to focus on some of those borderline calls for you this week. So uh, if you do want to read about every single fantasy-relevant player and whether you should sit or start them, make sure to check out the Sit Start Podcast article as always on qblist.com but um, we're going to skim through this a little bit um, not a lot of news up top to talk about Ryan but uh, I was pretty excited when I checked the fantasy pros expert consensus rankings this week through two weeks we are 22nd overall with our rankings so uh, what are you going to do with this newfound fame and glory and fortune that comes with ranking in the top 25 of the fantasy pros ECR rankings Oh, you better believe it's going in my Twitter bio. It's going on every social media I have. I'm, we might have to put it up at the headline of the next rankings article. Like, I, I want to make sure people know that we are doing really well so far this year. And I, we've got to gloat now while we're in the top 25, because I'm sure week three, things will go south very quickly for us and we'll have missed our shot. Right. Yeah, you got to enjoy it while you can. That's for sure. When you look and see Matt Harmon from Yahoo right below you in the rankings, uh, that that makes you feel like you're at least spending your time wisely. So uh, honestly, that's the biggest part for me is just seeing all these other people that uh, we're ranked ahead of and uh, we really respect their work. So it's always pretty pretty cool to see. So just want to bring that up. Um, also, not to brag too much, Ryan, but I am, uh, I believe, 26th overall in Scott Fishbowl so far. So I'd say we just call the season right now. Uh, let's just two weeks. I think we're good. End of the fantasy season. Yeah, I agree. I Yeah, we're taking our victory laps now and that's all we need. Yeah, the, the season is done. Everybody can just tune out. Yeah, my takeaway from Scott Fishbowl, first year I finally drafted some quarterbacks. So if you're in it next year, just draft a first and a second round quarterback. That's really all you need to do. So, all right, not a lot of news up top we're going to get here. Um, A lot of the news is just kind of like, hey, this guy is banged up. Let's see if he plays or not. So not a lot of big takeaways. But um, I did want to bring up one news story. Um, Tevin Coleman signed to the San Francisco 49ers practice squad. Uh, this reminds me of a long time ago. I used to work at uh, Yellowstone National Park for a couple summers, worked in restaurants there, and we would go fishing every day. 
this is a long story. Bear with me here. And there's this old guy that would always be fishing. And one day he just kind of out of nowhere packed up his bags and, and started to leave. We were like, hey, man, why, why are you done fishing already? You haven't been here long. He, he pointed to the lake and there was an otter swimming in the lake. And he said, whenever you see an otter in the lake, just pack it up. The fish aren't going to bite for the rest of the day. And it crossed my mind that that was Tevin Coleman. Uh, as soon as I see him on the San Francisco 49ers, I'm packing things up. I don't want anything to do with this backfield. It's over. So I'm going to tout Jeff Wilson Jr. later on this podcast, but uh, just remember the Otter story. And as soon as Tevin Coleman enters this active backfield, I'm packing things up. I'm going home and I'm done with this 49ers backfield. So what do you think about my new story, Ryan? I had no idea where that was going to go. I'm genuinely impressed. Wow. Yeah, there are otters in backfields all over the league. I mean, look at the Baltimore Ravens. As soon as Mike Davis is getting snaps in your backfield, just pack it up. No, just go home. There's nothing for you there. Thank you. As the, uh, the world's worst storyteller, I'm just glad I got through that one. So anyways, that's that's the that's the new head, news headlines for the week. So let's get into our positional sit starts here. Uh, we're going to start off with running backs, which I ranked this week. As always, um, Ryan takes wide receivers and quarterbacks. I'll take running backs and tight ends. So uh, like I said before, I kind of scoured Reddit for some common sit start decisions this week. And I noticed that AJ Dillon was in almost every single sit start question. And it kind of makes sense here. He's a committee running back, but he's he's a healthy 54% snap share here. So he's, he's getting work, uh, but he gets this tough draw against the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, we know that teams just kind of don't even try to run on Tampa Bay. So um, I actually am pretty optimistic here with A.J. Dillon. I have an RB19, which is kind of an indictment on the running back position as a whole. But um, I don't know, Ryan. Like, I, I see Aaron Jones at 60% of the snaps and A.J. Dillon at 54%. Uh, Dillon's got a 15% target share compared to Jones's 13%. Like, he's pretty close to Aaron Jones as far as fantasy outlook. And it's not a great matchup, but the Packers need these running backs. And I think he's going to get the ball a lot here. So is RB 19 too high for AJ Dillon here? And for everyone who wants to know if they should be starting him, what do you think? I don't think it's necessarily too high. And sort of the reason for that is that once you get past like RB 15, RB 16, where it's gets pretty tough. Like you're just kind of looking for, any player that has a role where he could fall into the end zone or he could catch a handful of passes just for that PPR floor. And I think AJ Dillon does qualify. Uh, He's not really been running as many routes as Aaron Jones has been through two weeks. Um, So even despite the slightly higher target share, but it's pretty clear the Packers are happy to use both these running backs in the passing game. So I, I really think that, they're the players that you should be most interested in. I am down on the Packers offense as a whole this week. We'll get into that when we talk about my quarterback rankings. But yeah, I I don't have an issue with A.J. Dillon at RB19. Yeah, and I think it's just the names after him. I mean, obviously, James Conner will move ahead of him if we get the full bill of health on uh, on him. We'll have to wait till later in the week on that, but that's still against the Rams. And then then you're down into like the Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, Jeff Wilson, James Robinson range. Like these are all committee backs too. So I don't know. That's just kind of my thought process on Dylan. Like these are all committee backs. I do think he's talented. I do still trust Aaron Rodgers over most of these quarterbacks. So that, that's kind of where I landed on Dylan. So if, if you have that tough decision you can feel pretty comfortable rolling them out there and um, maybe you'll catch some passes since they can't run on Tampa Bay. So uh, the next one I saw asked a lot on Reddit was uh, Kareem Hunt. And, you know, he's very similar to AJ Dillon, actually. 
Um, he's got a 52% snap share and an 11% target share, so not quite as much passing game usage. He's playing against a tough defense in the Steelers. Uh, Hunt, though, I have running back 31. And as I look back on this, I'm not sure if there should be that big of a difference between Kareem Hunt and A.J. Dillon. Uh, like, I, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is Dillon's quarterback, and Jacoby Brissett is Kareem Hunt's quarterback. But, Ryan, do you think that's enough of a reason to separate them by 12 spots in the rankings, or should they kind of converge on each other here? I So, yeah, I mean, the first thing you think of is, okay, maybe these are similar sort of committee roles. Um but obviously drastically different offenses if you're we're talking quarterback quality. But yep. then you look at the implied totals for the Browns and the Packers this week. Uh, Cleveland Browns implied total 21 and a half. Green Bay Packers only 20. So, it, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know that it's super clear that Kareem Hunt is in a worse offensive situation, offensive environment than A.J. Dillon is. So, yeah, I, I think you probably should have them pretty close. Yeah, and even the Steelers as a matchup, I mean, they have allowed the 12th most fantasy points to opposing running backs this year, and that's with only one touchdown. So it's not like that that number is spiked up with a couple lucky touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I, this is going to be a game where both teams can probably run the ball at each other as much as they want. So there's probably a lot of work for Hunt here. Uh, when I've got him RB31, that puts him behind some players like Damian Harris, Damian Pierce, Ramondre Stevenson. I, I I think maybe as the week goes on, I may jump them above them. Um, what do you think about some of those names there? Would you play play Kareem Hunt over them, or is it more of a case of maybe Dylan needs to come down a few spots? I mean, Kareem Hunt over Ramondre makes sense to me. I mean, those are the kind of similar, like they allegedly are running, going to run the most routes, play the most on third downs, but Kareem Hunt just has the better history of fantasy production in that yeah. role. So he's probably who I would lean. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all I can say about this Steelers-Browns game is the fact that it is not the worst game that we're going to have to suffer through this week. The fact that we also have Bears-Texans to look forward to is yeah. unreal to me. So, and, and hey, like you mentioned Damian Pierce, like maybe this is his one shot at a decent game script. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that you could sneak hunt over most of those names, though. Okay. Yeah, I think then that would put him up right about RB26, kind of right behind the James Robinson, Ezekiel Elliott range. That feels a little bit better to me. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and make that change. So yeah, I I think Hunt, it's it's a mess this week at running back. So I, Hunt is not a bad uh, RB2 in this situation. So um, all right, let's move on to the next one I saw a lot on Reddit. And that was the aforementioned Jeff Wilson Jr., like I said, as soon as Tevin Coleman's on the active roster, I'm running away because we all know he will soak up uh, 10 carries a game for 20 yards. But until then, it's just Jeff Wilson Jr. And a lot of people are trying to figure out if they should play him. I've been very hesitant to recommend Jeff Wilson Jr. at any point this year, but I think I have to now. It's gone too far. Uh, he had a 49% snap share last week with Tyrion Davis-Price around getting 40%. And now Tyrion Davis-Price is out. Elijah Mitchell's already out. Um, undrafted free agent Jordan Mason has been active, but has not seen a, an offensive snap. He's just been a special teams guy. They just called up Marlon Mack from the practice squad, but he's been on the team for just a couple weeks. Like, I do think it is finally time to trust Jeff Wilson Jr. here. Um, Debo is really the only one who's going to eat into his workload, I believe. I, I just don't think uh, they trust Wilson enough. I don't think Marlon Mack is just going to come in here and steal all the work. So uh, couple that with no more Trey Lance to steal carries and goal line work. And I, I just think this is a pretty clear 
uh, start for Jeff Wilson Jr. It, it is against a tough Denver defense. They've allowed the fewest points to opposing running backs, but they've also played Seattle and Houston so far. So RB23 right in that range sounds good to me on Jeff Wilson Jr. And I would kind of rather play him over like James Robinson, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Cordell Patterson, Damian Pierce. I just think that with Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I can trust them to move the ball. And we're really just looking for a touchdown in this range. So what do you think about Jeff Wilson Jr.? I'm, I'm finally in on him. Uh, am I making a mistake here? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like you you say the Denver defense is tough, but I, Rashad Penny was able to break off some big runs against them. Uh, the 49ers are actually favored in this game. So it's not as if we're expecting a negative game script. This should sort of play into what Jeff Wilson wants. Um, I, I just have to say, though, about this backfield, the people that thought they were like super hipster and smart for picking up Jordan Mason got so bailed out by this Tyrion Davis price injury. It is not even funny to me. Oh, oh my God. I, I, I'm tilting and I, I have Jordan Mason on teams. I, I'm just tilting that he, that he wasn't a completely useless pickup potentially. Maybe he will be after this week. We'll see. Yeah, we're still waiting on that offensive snap. So uh, hold your judgment. You may be able to gloat on this one next week as well, because maybe Marlon Mack just comes in and he's Tyrion Davis Price here. So um, I think I have like one dynasty team where I have Marlon Mack, and I'm, I'm happy about this news. That's that's about it. So it's getting pretty ugly in San Francisco. Hopefully we can get Elijah Mitchell back uh, relatively soon. But um, yeah, for now, it's just Jeff Wilson Jr. So play him if you got him. I wouldn't have too high of expectations just because of the lack of passing game work. But He's in that range of running back where you're just looking for a touchdown and you could probably get one this week. So, all right, next up, I thought Michael Carter was an interesting player to discuss. I wrote him up in our rankings article that's up on QB list right now. And, you know, I was kind of comparing him to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I thought they were a lot closer maybe than some people might think. I used your range of outcomes sit start tool to help. And it kind of confirmed what I thought, which is that Michael Carter might actually have the bigger upside than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And that's a lot of that's because of his snap share. Uh, Carter has been playing on 60% of the snaps. That's 15th highest in the league. He's holding off Brees Hall for now. Uh, Hall actually saw his work got eaten into a little bit last week by Ty Johnson, I believe. So uh, you compare that to CEH, who's got a 41% snap share. I, I think Carter's got the bigger upside. Um, he's got a nice target share, 14%. He just looks like a reliable PPR option to me. And a game against the Bengals, I don't expect the Jets to be less pass heavy. Like I know the Bengals are 0-2. They've lost to some bad teams, but I would be surprised if the Jets get up and just get to run the ball in the second half. So uh, I'm pretty high on um, Michael Carter this week. I've got him RB17, and I know that sounds crazy, but it gets real ugly after him once you get into the 20s. So uh, what do you think about Michael Carter this week? Um, any pushback on how high I have him ranked? The one pushback that I could offer, uh, and this is going to apply to every Jets skill position player, is the Jets are currently leading the league in pass attempts, but they're about league average in pass rate over expected. So what that essentially means is that the pass attempts have been a result of the negative game scripts that they found themselves in. And I, I mean, good for them. I, I'm so happy that Joe Flacco is willing to drop back 50, 60 times a game to keep this offense functional and get us some nice garbage time fantasy points. But I, I'm not sure that you're all as happy with Michael Carter if that target volume starts to come down overall. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point about Brees Hall. It w w That was one of the more surprising things I saw in week two was 
Paul's snap share decreasing. And yeah, as you said, it's mostly Ty Johnson, but oh, that maybe Ty Johnson is the otter as well. <laughs> yeah. I used to like Ty Johnson, so it's kind of sad. But uh, yeah, Ty Johnson may be another otter. We got a lot of them this year, but I don't know. I mean, he's got 12 catches in two weeks, Michael Carter does. So that's just until we see something change, uh, I'm just kind of willing to go for that. We don't have a lot of good PPR backs this year. There's just a lot of touchdown-dependent guys, it feels like. So that's where I'm at on Carter. And when I was also comparing him to Clyde edwards Flair, like CEH plays the Colts defense. I know the Colts have been pretty miserable so far, but, I mean, they're giving up 2.8 yards per carry. Like, they're, they are a, a relatively tough defense. So I don't know. I just, I just kind of like the floor that um, Carter offers. And then I do think there's some ceiling just because of his usage. So if you are relying on Carter, I'd say you'd, you go with him another week. And if the usage does change and Brees Hall gets more involved, like, Hey, we'll, we'll adjust after that. But we're, we're basing this off of two weeks usage. And as of now, Carter is definitely the lead back for the Jets. So, okay, next up. And uh, yeah, Damian Pierce. I think we can finally play him, Ryan. I have been pushing back on everyone on Damian Pierce all off season, uh, all through the first two weeks. Uh, but he faces a Bears defense that has allowed the fourth most rushing yardage to running backs so far. Uh, he Pierce bumped up a snap share to 62% last week. Rex Burkhead didn't even get a carry. Uh, I think this is as good of a shot as we're going to get for Pierce against the Bears to get a heavy workload on the ground and get a shot at a, t- a touchdown. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about playing him. Um, I will say he's got a 3% target share. So that caps his floor and a ceiling, especially in PPR leagues. But if you can get a touchdown out of him, uh, you know, 70 yards rushing, I think those are all pretty clearly in his range of outcomes this week. That makes him a realistic uh, RB2. So uh, this may be one of the few weeks, but I've got Damian Pierce at RB29, and I could pretty easily move him up probably four spots from there too. So pretty confident in Damian Pierce this year, or this week anyway. Um, what are you thinking about Pierce, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at some of the guys you have ranked around him and above him, you've got uh, Ramondre Stevenson one spot ahead. I I feel more confident that Damian Pierce is going to see volume than I do Ramondre Stevenson this week. Uh, Cordero Patterson, I, I, for some reason, feel more confident that Pierce is going to see a bigger opportunity share than Cordero Patterson. Like, I, I feel like we just have an easier read on this Texans backfield after Burkhead was pretty much completely phased out, especially of the running game last week. So yeah, I roll with it. I'm happy to start Pierce as like a low end RB too. It, yeah. It's unreal to me, by the way, that the Texans are not the favorites in this game. How, how are they three point underdogs against the bears? Like I I'll get, I'll get into how unbelievably bad the bears offense has been later yeah. on, but yeah, that just stands out to me. Yeah, I notice a lot like defensive rankings and things like that. I, I feel like everyone still pictures this Bears defense of old. It's just kind of in everyone's head. Uh, it's not exactly the same Bears defense anymore. So I feel like that's a part of it. But yeah, I, I would take the Texans in this one. My thoughts on Ramondre Stevenson ahead of Pierce, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but playing against Baltimore, I would expect them to have to pass more to keep up in this game. And he did actually see 62% of the snaps last week uh, in a game against the Steelers where they were kind of grinding it out on the ground. So I know we haven't really seen it translate to much passing game work yet for Stevenson, but that was kind of my hope there with him. And then Cordell Patterson, I agree. There's a ton of red flags with him, but they are playing the Seahawks. I kind of like that matchup for him. So that's really all I was going for there. But yeah, Pierce is right in the same ballpark on them. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Stevenson and the Pats backfield. Not really. It's just so hard to have a take this early in the week because we have no idea about the status of Damian Harris and the injury that he had at the very end of the last game. I mean, if Harris is out, then it's wheels up for Ramondre Stevenson. Um, yep. 
But yeah, if they're splitting work again, I, I just don't trust that Stevenson's going to continue to run more routes, especially if he's not earning the targets when he is doing so like that this backfield can flip on a dime. We could, we could see Damian Harris dominating third down snaps for all we know. So yeah, I would, I would just feel better about having Pierce in my lineup. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Otherwise um, I I kind of am getting to the point now where I draw the line on who I feel comfortable starting this week or not. And that that brings us to RB 36 chase Edmonds. Uh, I actually did just trade for him in my home league. I did not give up much for him. Uh, So I'm kind of calling him a sit this week. I would hold him. I still have some hope for Chase Edmonds, but uh, he was passed by Raheem Mostert last week. Uh, 55% of the snaps for Mostert, 51% for Chase Edmonds. Uh, And they were playing from behind, which surprised me. You'd think Mostert maybe would get that work when they had a lead, but they were in catch-up mode against the Ravens and Mostert saw more snaps. And I would expect that this week as well, uh, going against the Bills. So I just don't know how much work we can pencil in Edmonds and Beyond that, the Bills defense has allowed the fifth fewest PPR points to opposing running backs on the year. So I say sit both of Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Um, But like I said, I still do have hope for Edmonds. Uh, They're the only two running backs getting snaps in Miami right now. And I do think defenses are going to adjust to stopping Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, whether they can or not, it remains to be seen. But I think they're going to see some change-ups here on defense against them. And I could see this leading to check downs here for Chase Edmonds eventually, which is all we really want. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this Miami backfield, but I'm sitting them for now. But I do have a little hope that this comes around. Yeah, I mean, Miami's another team that has ranked very highly in pass rate over expected so far this year. So it doesn't seem like there's going to be as much of a commitment to the run as we might have been expecting going into the year. But that said, I maybe Mike McDaniel wants to switch things up against the Bills, kind of test that Bills run defense. I mean, we've seen that teams have had trouble passing against them. Uh, maybe he schemes up a run-heavy game plan and Chase Edmonds gets more involved. But yeah, I largely agree. It's not a situation where you want to be putting him in your lineup just with the Dolphins being underdogs. I, yeah, I just don't like it. I, I think more than likely the Dolphins are going to end up having to throw a ton again this week and look if if I was Tua I I don't blame him for throwing to Jalen Waddle underneath and to Tyree Kill instead of to Chase Edmonds as much as I like Chase Edmonds and want him to be on the field running routes and earning targets like I it it is hard to compete with that (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, I was I guess over 30 targets last week to the two of them so they he should probably stick with that plan it worked pretty well so Otherwise, just kind of looking over my running back rankings here, Ryan, I don't know if there's anything that stands out to you. Um, I, I, I wrote up in my article that it feels awfully scary to have David Montgomery as the RB10 this week. Uh, you may talk me out of that with this game script that we're looking at here coming up, but uh, he did see 81% of the snaps last week. There aren't many running backs getting that work. He's been productive against San Francisco and Green Bay, so I just kind of see a nice matchup here against the Texans and really just the top of these rankings overall are pretty brutal. Like I've got Christian McCaffrey, number one, his his snap share has been awesome. Obviously we've seen the production in the past, but he's going against a tough saints defense. He hasn't exactly broken out yet this year. And that's like my RB one this week. I mean, it's just a a bad landscape at running back. I mean, Jonathan Taylor playing against Kansas city, uh, you know, there's just a lot of situations to be worried about here. So Montgomery at 10, Maybe not as confident as in him as it would sound like, but uh, it's just kind of what we're dealing with here at running back. Yeah, I mean, you've got Montgomery over Derrick Henry this week. Uh, that That's 
it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like that that looks ridiculous but yeah. just taking in to context what we've seen through two weeks i i don't blame you at all uh it it we're in a tough spot right now early in the season um just because we need to react in some way to the data that we're getting but at the same time probably half of it is not going to have any bearing on how we think of the season in hindsight four months from now so yeah but i i don't hate the stance with montgomery at 10 yeah and montgomery i mean derrick henry it's just been what we always assume the worst case scenario would be with Henry is, is happening. It's 21 carries for 82 yards in week one, 13 for 25 and a touchdown a week two. He hasn't cracked 10 PPR points yet home against Las Vegas. Like I know they're not a good defense, but if they get up big early, it, I don't know. I'm worried. And kind of like we said last week, until I see him back to his old ways, breaking off long touchdowns, it's hard to see the ceiling here right now for Derrick Henry. So that's where I'm at with Henry. But obviously, if you have him, you're starting him. I'm just not quite ready to say it's the Henry of old yet. So otherwise, uh, like I said, if you've got a running back um, in the top 20 here, you're feeling pretty good, and it starts falling off pretty quick after that. So if you're struggling at RB2, I think probably the rest of your league is this week as well. So uh, that wraps up running backs. Um, Let's get over to receivers, which Ryan ranked this week. And it looks like we've talked about them a little bit, but uh, it just keeps changing, I think, the situation in New York. So let's talk about these Jets wide receivers, specifically Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Yeah, so this is where I take, I I guess, a minor L, maybe a major L, depending how much you hate me. Um, (laughs) So I have Garrett Wilson ranked well above Elijah Moore this week. I've made the decision, made the swap. I I have Wilson at wide receiver 25 and more down at wide receiver 34. Both are playable against the Bengals, I believe. Um, We already talked about the Jets' uh, pass rate over expected. Um, Just the fact that they're willing to drop back that many times in a negative game script shows that these guys can go off week to week it could be up and down obviously but I feel pretty decent ranking Wilson as a low end wide receiver two and more as a flex uh but through two weeks Wilson is the wide receiver 12 overall he is currently a wide receiver one in PPR scoring uh he has a top 25 air yard share at the position and top three in expected touchdown share. They're scheming him up a lot of targets where he's the first read, especially around the end zone. And it's translating to fantasy production as you would expect it to. And I mean, then you look at Elijah Moore, who's running more routes than Wilson is, but only commanding a 12% target share, basically half of what Wilson's able to do on even less routes. So it's, hard to keep Garrett Wilson top 10 pick in the NFL draft incredible prospect it you can't keep him under Elijah Moore after he's outperformed him for two straight weeks as much as I like Elijah Moore as much as I think he's going to have his weeks this year too I think he's going to be really good but it it's just happened faster than most of us predicted I think in the offseason yeah, man. Eventually, we're going to have to have the conversation when Joe Flacco is no longer quarterback, what that means. But for now, yeah, I mean, it sure doesn't look like they're going to change anything. Like, they just beat the the Browns. They just came back on them. Uh, they've been throwing it a lot. Garrett Wilson looks good. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't keep feeding him the ball. So, yeah, it, it's kind of one of those things. I think you mentioned uh, maybe in Discord or something. It's kind of like 
it's a short fantasy football season. And if we don't adapt to these things quick, like it's halfway over before we know it. So I'm right there with you. It's a rookie. He looks great. Not many rookies get 22 targets in the first two weeks. Uh, let's let's roll with it. I, I don't care if the Jets passing volume might come down. He still looks like a, a, an awfully talented player. Yeah, absolutely. And we're just going to keep it rolling with the rookies because yeah. the next guy I want to talk about is Drake London. I have him ranked just below Wilson. He's at wide receiver 26 at the Seahawks this week. Drake London is fourth in the NFL in target share right now. In that that is unbelievable, like unheard of for a rookie through two games. Like that that doesn't happen. That 37% of his team's air yards. He's the only receiver on the Falcons that's playing even close to full-time snaps. Uh, 31% targets per route run. Like, I I don't even know if him or Wilson has been more impressive. I I would be hard-pressed to pick who has had a better start to their career. But, yeah, uh, I mean... Similarly with Wilson, you're, you're playing him. He yeah. he's gonna get. In, he needs to get in your lineup. Yeah, I mean he's passed a couple of tests so far. New Orleans and the Rams. I mean those are tough defenses to go against in your first two games against Seattle this week. I think the Kyle Pitts conversation. Uh, maybe we have that another time. I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, I, they're kind of using him like a receiver. And 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 I mean I don't know. At some point, like he's not getting the targets, and London is so. I don't know. I think we just have to ad- adapt to this. Go with Drake London. Get him in your lineups. RB26. Yeah, I think just about every roster you're starting in this week. Yeah, so going to derail into the quick Kyle Pan- okay. Kyle Pitts rant here. Uh, so I, I've just been all week, basically, I've just been scrolling my Twitter timeline and seeing jaw-dropping stats about Kyle Pitts' usage. So he has been in to pass block more times already this year than he did the entirety of last year. Uh, Right now, 50% of his targets have come against cornerbacks uh, compared to a player like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. That's going to look more like 12 to 14%. Coaches who know what they're doing are able to scheme their incredibly talented tight ends to be in coverage against linebackers. So (laughs) it's, My eyes are on Arthur Smith, essentially. I think that this is a squeaky wheel type of game for Pitts. I and I think it's only good for Drake London if Pitts can come alive a little bit because we don't want teams to just be selling out to stop Drake London. Uh, but yeah, th- those are my thoughts on Pitts. <laughs> yeah, I saw that same stat running 50% of his routes against corners. So He's yeah, they're either not scheming him right or teams respect him so much that they're not falling for any of it, or maybe a combination of both. But kind of like we talked about on the What We Saw podcast, it's just worrisome to me that there's no floor here for Pitts. Like I, I thought that's what we were getting here, that we at least have a floor. So that's gotta change. Obviously, we need the upside too, but I, I thought we were getting a guy who could give us eight points a game, and that's just not happening. So um hopefully that changes. But for now, uh London is certainly getting his fair share. So um, looks like you got another rookie receiver you want to talk about here. So who's up next, Ryan? Yep. One more rookie receiver that I would be remiss to not mention this week. It's Chris Olave. So I do have him ranked a bit lower. I have him at wide receiver 38. Uh, he's going up against the Panthers this week, but it, in a lot of ways, Olave has been nearly as impressive as Wilson in London. Uh, he is eighth among all wide receivers right now in team air yard share, a 21% target share through two games, 
also pretty good for a rookie. That's more than we see most rookies command through their entire rookie year. Uh, And as icing on the cake, Jameis Winston right now leads the league in attempted air yards. So that huge air yard share that Olave has is even bigger than you think it is because the Saints, at least through two weeks, Jameis has been bombing it down the field. Now, I've said this, this might be time number three I'm saying this, that I don't believe that this is just going to be the Saints the entire year. I don't think they want Jameis Winston to be bombing it down the field. So that has me less less bullish on Olave, especially in a game against the Panthers that is probably going to be dragged into the mud a lot, kind of like against Tampa Bay last week. So I've got him in playable like flexible range if you have them and want to throw them in your flex i'm not going to be super upset yeah i mean he's going against the panthers defense that has given up the third fewest wide receiver fantasy points but they also played the browns and the giants so not exactly a murderer's row so far so i wouldn't use that to scare you off i do agree like this saints team they're they would love to just play uh, nine to three games i think especially with uh, james winston playing through a back injury so i think that's the one knock on the lobby and i do think it makes sense to have him ranked lower but just watching last week like, like i mentioned on the what we saw podcast like without uh, the all 22 just looking on the tv angle a lobby looked just as much the number one as michael thomas last week so uh, awfully encouraging sign for a rookie receiver this early in the season. So hopefully better things to come uh, for Olave. Let's see it pay off maybe for some touchdowns coming up. So, okay. We've been pretty positive here, Ryan. Um, let's let's bring it down a level. Uh, we're going to talk about Darnell Mooney now. This one uh, is really hurting me. I, I touted playing him last week, and um, you, you feel really dumb when you do that for a second straight week. We had the monsoon week one to write it off, but when you see that uh, pretty much goose egg two straight weeks, it's like, man, what was I thinking? So I, I think it's time to sit one out here on Mooney. What do you say? Yeah, I've got Mooney ranked at wide receiver 44. Honestly, the more I look at that number, the more I think I need to move him down even more <laughs> because I, I have him dangerously close to players that I actually like. Uh, so he he might need to go down even further. Um, just, and the, everything I'm about to say is not a slight against Darnell Mooney, the player. It, this should be more taken as an attack on anybody that's making decisions in Chicago as far as their offense goes. So the Bears have ranked dead last in pass rate over expected, but and it isn't close at all. So they're running much more than you would ex- expect a team that is getting blown out twice, twice in a row to be running. Yeah. Uh, the bears rank last in the league in first downs. So the, I mean, just straight up, how successful is your offense at converting? They are the worst at it. And in plays run in total snaps, the bears are second to last. They have run one more snap than the Geno Smith led Seahawks. So mm-hmm. good job there. Bears coaching staff. You weren't last in that one offensive category, but all I can do when I look at these numbers is say, it, it doesn't look like the Bears want to play offense. Like they, they refuse to play the game of gridiron football in the year 2022. Like they, they just don't want to. They will give it to David Montgomery a bunch of times. Uh, Justin Fields will scramble a few times, but they, they just don't care. They, they don't want to win. They don't want to play offense. And Darnell Mooney is worse off for it. I So the, the 
fun. I think actually the funniest stat I have on here, Darnell Mooney has five total targets on the year. That's good for like an 18% target share in the Bears offense. That That is how low volume we're talking here. And, and a 30% air yard share. So if the Bears ever decide to be a modern NFL offense, then maybe we'll have something with Darnell Mooney. But it, this it's just unbelievable to me. Like, I, I didn't think we could get worse than the Matt Nagy-led offense from last year. But the, it, yeah, I, I am, I'm out of words to say about it. Yeah, and Houston's a matchup where you want to talk yourself into this being the week that it changes, but I just don't – you can't – you got to see something first before you put them in your lineup again. We can't just keep doing this. It's it's just this bizarre corner they backed themselves into where I know Justin Fields does not look good. That's a whole other conversation if he's a franchise quarterback or not, but by surrounding him with no weapons and not much of an offensive line, like they just backed themselves into this corner where I don't know how you can even judge him at this point. I mean, we like Darnell Mooney, but he's not a true wide receiver one in the league, I don't think. And there aren't even those complimentary pieces that you would want to see here. So it's just very bizarre. I mean, they're not getting the ball to Cole Komet either. Nobody in this offense other than David Montgomery is getting the ball. So yeah, I'm right there with you. It's very concerning. I backed into Justin Fields on some Trey Lance teams, uh, picked him up before his game on Sunday night, and I don't think I can do it. I think I'd rather play Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and all those kind of guys over over Justin Fields. I just We just can't keep playing players on this offense outside of Dave Montgomery. It's just foolish at this point. Yeah, I honestly, Marcus Mariota being the mo- late round mobile quarterback that I feel the best about through two weeks was not on my bingo card for 2022, but here we are. Th- this is where we are at with the Bears offense. Yep. The, in my opinion, the Bears need to just run fields out there and say, throw it 40 times a game. Let's see what you have in you. Because mm-hmm. you can't evaluate a player like this. Like if the Bears do this all season and they have a top five draft pick, How are you going to look at Justin Fields and be like, yeah, you average like 12 dropbacks a game. So like, what do you do? How do you know if he's good or not? How do you know whether you're spending up on another potential franchise quarterback? It's just unimaginably insane to me. It's going to be kind of like Lance. We're going to be through two years of his career and probably wanted to see a bigger, a a bigger look at him, at least volume wise. So uh, it's going to be strange. All right. I think that's enough on the bears. Sorry, bears fans. It's just, it's just ugly to watch. So um, I hope you all start throwing the ball a little more. All right. Who you got next up in wide receiver rankings this week? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go positive again on these (laughs) next two guys. Uh, So I have Curtis Samuel at wide receiver 24 this week uh, playing the Eagles. I have him and McLaurin ranked back to back. I struggled a lot with whether I was going to put Samuel over McLaurin ultimately didn't, but I, looking at these numbers for Curtis Samuel, 24% target share. And the best part about that 24% target share is that the average depth of target is only 3.3 yards as of now. So you you might be like, oh, that sounds horrible. He's not going to pick up any yardage. But what that means is he's going to catch most of those passes and it's going to be very consistent week to week. That, that is incredible for PPR leagues. You can plug him in and expect volume and expect production at the very worst, especially on an offense that is ranking seventh in pass rate over expected. Uh, even if we're not talking about expectation, just in general, 
Washington's defense does not seem to be all that great so far. They might get put into negative game scripts a lot. I would expect that against Philadelphia this week. They're going to have to keep airing it out. And if 24% of those throws are occur to Samuel, then he he's a low end wide receiver too, at worst in fantasy. It, I, another guy, I can't believe we're here with, like I, I, didn't think we would have to talk or think about Curtis Samuel ever again, probably if you'd asked me like a year ago, but yeah, I, wild that this is where we're at. Yep. I mean, we'll talk about Logan Thomas later. Like this is a pretty stacked offense and look, they, I, they didn't score any last week in the first half against the lions. Like it's still going to be a little up and down with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, but there's so many weapons here. Uh, the secondary for Washington is so bad they're getting behind in games. And I think it's going to be a really great fantasy situation. So I'm right on board with you. All these guys are looking good to play. Um, we're even getting like JD McKissick up in kind of the low end flex range here. So yeah, I, I'd start pretty much any of your Washington commanders, which again, not something I thought we'd be saying coming into the season. So, okay. Next up, one of my personal favorites. Uh, he did pop up on the injury report today. Gave me a, a scare, but I'm hoping he's okay. That's Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I mean, he was on the injury report last week as well. I okay. wouldn't be that worried about it. Um, but yeah, I have Myers ranked at wide receiver 41 against the Ravens, kind of opposite of Darnell Mooney. I keep looking at this and thinking I might need to get him higher because there's a lot lining up here. We've already talked about how the Ravens are a pass funnel. Uh, they have allowed by far the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers so far this year. Obviously, that's going to happen when you run up against the bulldozer that is Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill on the same team trying to come back against you in garbage time, or not even in garbage time, just in the second half and beat you. Uh, but regardless, I think it's clear that the way to attack Baltimore is through the air. And then you just look at Myers' target shares and you're you're happy with what you see pre pretty much as always. 29.7% yeah. target share so far this year and a 34% air yard share. I th Those are top 24 receiver numbers in those market share metrics. I, he's probably going to underperform that a little bit just because of Mac Jones and the offensive environment overall. Yeah. But I, he's an awesome just plug and play flex. You know, you're going to get some points out of him. Uh, and the one other one like negative I need to mention about Jacoby Myers is his expected touchdown share is 9.4% based on where he's seeing his targets on the field. That, that kind of lines up with our perception of Jacoby Myers. I, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say, Normally we do want other options in the passing game to take some pressure off these players, but uh, I think Jacoby Myers just being a slot player, I think they can get him the ball kind of regardless and nobody has stepped up in new England. I mean, Hunter Henry has disappeared. He's only playing on like 50% of the snaps. I'm not sure if they've got Johnny Smith more involved or not, but I certainly haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, Devonte Parker has kind of been a flop. Like I know that Aguilar made a nice play, but there's really nobody threatening him for regular status. Is there like, they don't even have that pass catching back like they used to. So it, it sure seems like it's all Jacoby Myers for the time being. Yeah, I will say that watching every Patriots game, uh, especially these last two weeks, but really last year as well, Jacoby Myers is the only receiver that Mac Jones trusts at all. Yeah, as, as you said, uh, Hunter Henry's not even playing full-time anymore. I, I think every pass attempt to Devontae Parker so far this year has ended in an, an interception or an OPI or just something bad happening. And yeah, Nelson Aguilar has made one good play in his career. Congratulations. I, I was 
So happy to see that last week, but don't think it's going to continue. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is still in the doghouse, apparently. There's been a lot of whispers about ownership kind of being on Bill's back here in New England to just, like play the guys that they spent all this money on, like Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Uh, yeah. But that that's roster management here in New England is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, the, the point of this deranged Pats fan rant is, yeah, Jacoby Myers is all they have. He's, he's the only one that is going to be trusted, going to see that uh, consistent volume. Yeah. And he's always going to be that guy. I mean, I've got him on a ton of rosters. He's always that last guy on your bench towards the end. You're always debating if you should drop him or not. Uh, I was glad I held on for last week to see those uh, 13 targets or whatever. So I do think it's going to be consistent. I understand if you'd rather go for upside, but at some point when bye weeks hit, you're going to be happy to have Jacoby Myers on your roster. So uh, if he's out there, I would go pick him up. I'm sure this waiver run, he's pretty much picked up, but you never know. Um, Garrett Wilson was out there on a lot of waivers this week, so uh, double-check to make sure he's not available. Okay, I think that's a pretty good rundown of receivers. Um, That takes us to our streaming section of the show. Uh, Let's kick it off here with quarterbacks, Ryan. Uh, I think we're starting to run out of some of our options here, so we got to reach a little further down, but we still got some familiar names. Yeah, we can't stream Carson Wentz anymore. He's over 50% rostered now. Uh, so if you do have him, congrats. I mean, he's probably going to be pretty good this week. Uh, that matchup against the Eagles should be juicy for fantasy. I don't, I don't know how convinced I am on him being like a top 12 option for the rest of the year. This is still Carson Wentz, but yep. as, until the wheels fall off, I'm ha- happy to ride it. Uh, but going into the guys you can actually stream this week, So my top streamer is Jared Goff. He is ranked as the quarterback 14 for me right now, and he's only 36% rostered on Yahoo. And they, the Lions are traveling to Minnesota. So they are underdogs. Uh, I'm always a little hesitant to stream underdogs. But despite that, the Lions have a 23.75 implied total this week. That is the ninth highest in the league. So as you can guess, this game is expected to be very high scoring, and I don't see any reason to to doubt that, really. Uh, Goff has been the QB9 overall through two weeks. Uh, he, I mean, he's still Jared Goff. Like, he's not lighting up the league as far as efficiency goes, but he's taken some shots down the field. He's eighth in total attempted air yards. Uh, 16th in expected points. So if Jared Goff is just kind of a league average quarterback in an offense with good weapons, he's a startable player for fantasy when he's in good matchups and pass heavy game environments like that. That's all there is to it. I, I don't think that he's someone that has incredible upside the rest of the year, but in these matchups, you, why not? Yep. I mean, good offense line to protect him. Tons of weapons. Minnesota's defense has been fine. I mean, they've played a tough schedule with the Eagles and the Packers, but uh, their pressure rate is like 22nd. Like they're, they're fine, but um, I would expect the Lions to be able to put up some points here. I, this, this is going to be another one of those games. I think where all everyone in the fantasy industry tunes into, I'm not sure if the rest of the world will be, but uh, Vikings lions, there's going to be a lot of fun matchups in this one. So I think any piece of this one you can get is uh, going to work out pretty well for you. Yeah. Hey, hey, the Lions are on the rise. Okay. Yeah, they, they are a, the Lions are unironically a top, like a top half team in the NFL right now, if, yeah. in my estimation. Like if you're talking about the NFC, even, even higher, like are they playoff contenders? Probably. 
Uh, there's not not a whole lot else in the NFC. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the national media will start to get on the Lions a little bit more in these next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, I kind of am waiting for uh, like the Kirk Cousins implosion last week. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for that from Goff. So we'll see when that happens. But uh, none of these quarterbacks are perfectly consistent. So, yeah, Goff's, gonna, Goff's a good play this week. I'm right there with you. QB 14 sounds right to me. Yeah. And speaking of cousins, by the way, I have him ranked at like QB seven or eight this week. Okay. So he, he is a clear start for me. Don't be scared off. Vikings have the highest implied total of the week. Uh, all, all the same things I said about Jared Goff apply to Kirk cousins, except Vegas thinks his offense is better. So that that's pretty much all I have to say there. So well, in my home league, I can tell you that, uh, the, my friend who rosters Kirk Cousins and who needed some points from him on Monday night uh, promptly sent him to waivers. So I, I think a lot of people have moved on from Kirk Cousins out of just spite this week. Yeah, uh, I I just love the spite-based drop in fantasy yeah. football. Uh, I, somebody was tweeting out at me today asking how much they of their fab they should bid on Derrick Henry because somebody rage-dropped him in their league. And I, and I looked at it for a second before I said 100%. I was yeah. like, well... If this happens a lot, maybe you should just save your fab. Maybe fab is even more valuable in this league than any league. Uh, maybe DeAndre Swift's getting dropped next week. Who knows? Uh, yeah, wild times. So, yeah. Let, all right, let's move on to my next streamer. I've alluded to him a couple times already. It's Marcus Mariota. Here we go. I, I feel like I've prepared this audience sufficiently to sell them on Marcus Mariota in week three. So, done, done a lot of the homework up front, but... That this is this is my time. So Mariota, he's my QB 16 this week, 14% rostered on Yahoo. You can almost definitely get him. He's the QB 13 in fantasy through two weeks that, as I said, was not on my bingo card. He's averaged nine rush attempts per game, 44 rushing yards per game. As a passer, he's been fine, like 20th in attempted air yards. Uh, the Falcons pass rate over expected is below league average. I don't expect him to really get it done through the air, but if he does, then that's a ceiling game you're looking at because we know he's going to have the rushing production. If he throws two passing touchdowns, you're going to be very happy with his performance. Looking at the matchup, uh, the Seahawks have been pretty much average against quarterbacks in fantasy. A lot of that, in my opinion, kind of has to do with small sample touchdown luck. Uh, if you're looking just kind of at their defensive efficiency, not related to fantasy, uh, the Seahawks have allowed the fourth most yards per pass attempt in the league through two weeks. So this could be a game where Mariota gets it going through the air. Uh, the Falcons are underdogs, so likely negative game script. We've talked plenty about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. We hope both of them are going to be fully online. So I, I've got to say, I... I'm starting Marcus Mariota over Aaron Rodgers this week. They have the exact same implied total uh, and Mariota runs the ball and Mariota has better weapons. Like what, what am I missing here? Aaron Rodgers is not startable in fantasy right now. Yeah. I think the worry is that the Rodgers explosion comes at any moment. You never know when it's going to happen, but I mean, you look at his passing yards totals, 195 week one, uh, 234 week two, like, yeah, it's not like he's some high volume passer right now. So uh, I can't push back a whole lot when he's playing Tampa Bay. Um, I will say as someone, like I said, who needs a quarterback in a lot of leagues right now, 
I do think this might be the last time we stream Mariota for a little bit. I'm not sure about you. Um, we've got Cleveland, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco coming up after that. I don't know if that scares you off, but I'm ready. I'm ready to pick him up and just start him, honestly. I'm just a little worried in some of these sketchy matchups, but he has just made it through New Orleans and, and Los Angeles, so I'm, I, maybe we're fine in the bad matchups. I don't know. Mariota is a very interesting test case here, I think, for the uh, Konami Code quarterbacks. Yeah, I. Th- it's tough without – no, like just taking a look at the league as a whole at all of the matchups in that week. Yeah. I could see a scenario where we are streaming Mariota against the Browns just for lack of other options. We don't have that many great streaming options this week. I mean, other than Mariota and Goff, we're looking at like Ryan Tannehill. Jimmy Garoppolo might be okay against the Broncos. He's at least favored, um, but not not much of a ceiling there. So, yeah, I think we could be in a situation where Marcus Mariota's go-to, even in the not-great matchups, because he he is the only, like, rushing quarterback that's not heavily rostered right now, unless you count Daniel Jones, which I don't. <laughs> or Justin Fields, after I cut him here pretty soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, any other quarterbacks, or is that pretty much cover this week? Um, I, I think most people have found their quarterbacks by now, so streamers start to get a little tough this time of the year. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, I mean, ho- hopefully most people in this audience that we're streaming have Carson Wentz I, yeah. because we've we touted him pretty heavily last week. Uh, we I wasn't on him in week one. I'm st- still a little beat up about that. But uh, yeah, other than that, I we've just been talking about these guys for the last three weeks. You should have some sort of option. Well, and I think you're ranked uh, seven overall in fantasy pros at quarterback. So, hey. Uh, people should listen to you. All right, let's get on to tight end, which uh, I believe I'm in the top 15 ranking so far this year. I always knew tight ends were my specialty. I just, uh, you know, I just needed to put together the results on fantasy pros first. So um, we'll start off, Ryan. We can take a bow. Uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby are over 75% rostered. We finally did it. Uh, they are not available probably on your waiver wire. It's just a, a momentous occasion to see them both off this list. So um, I have to reach down a little bit further here for tight end streamers. So I'm going to start out with Logan Thomas. He's only 29% rostered after the waiver runs this week. I've got him tight end 12 this week against the Eagles. Kind of like we talked about with Washington. I see them trailing. I see them having to play catch up. I think the Eagles are just loaded and they're going to put up a bunch of points. And so that's going to mean good things for Logan Thomas Uh, coming back off his off season injury or season injury from last year. He's had 62% of the snaps in week one and 73% in week two. So he's ramping back up to the old Logan Thomas and he's looked pretty good so far. So I just think this is a great game script for Logan Thomas to put up some volume. And I do think he's somebody that you could pick up this week and possibly play for uh, the foreseeable future at tight end. Yeah. I, I mean, if Irv Smith is earning targets against the Eagles, then I, <laughs> I would think Logan Thomas is capable of it. Just, I need to work in the Irv Smith shade wherever I can. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like the one concern with Thomas is that he's at best the third or maybe the fourth option in this offense um but yeah it might not matter if the passing volume is high enough so i you're probably hoping for a touchdown from him but that this is this is tight end we're talking about so that that applies to pretty much all of them yeah and i will mention irv smith i was a little encouraged last week like i know he dropped the long pass but he was at least used. Uh, he seemed like a pass catching option. He scored a touchdown. I do think things are trending up a little bit for Irv Smith here. Still just 56% of the snaps though. So he's going to be below on a lot of these guys or all these guys we're going to mention here, but I do think it's trending up for Irv Smith. Keep an eye on him, but um, I, I think he can still probably sit on your waiver wires personally. 
Next up, uh, man, these next two, they're right in my wheelhouse here. Hayden Hurst, 18% rostered. I've got him as the tight end 14 against the Jets. Hurst is one of 11 tight ends with a 20% target share last week. Um, he is questionable on the injury report, but no uh, indication that it's anything serious. Hurst has the seventh most targets among tight ends on the year. Like he's just getting consistent volume. He, the Bengals backup tight end got injured. Like they've got nobody else to play at tight end. He's on the field a lot. He's getting targets. Things are going to turn around here. Like I know it's bad right now, but Burrow's going to put up his stats this year. So I expect even better days ahead for Hurst, honestly. So I think he's a really good plug and play option against the Jets. I'm actually going back and forth with him and the next player on my list who to rank ahead, but um, feel pretty comfortable starting Hurst if you need to. Um, any thoughts on him, Ryan? Is this too low ceiling, or can you get on board with uh, Hayden Hurst here? I, it's hard to kind of, like I just said about Logan Thomas, it's hard to call yeah. any tight end high ceiling, really. Like if they're in a good offense they're, where they can score a touchdown, that that's yeah. their high ceiling. Um, I, I, I just love that now that we're two weeks in with tight end, that we're just going through and touting all all of the bad players. Like uh-huh. we, I, I don't, I don't think we. I know you're a Bengals fan. I, I don't think that you believe Hayden Hurst is good. It's, no. it's just so situationally based. Like I, and this is, it's the same thing applies to Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Really, like yeah. th- these are these are guys that were punchlines in the off season. No, nobody thought that either of them were any good, and no, nobody still thinks either of them are any good. But it, yeah. it's just fun to me. I, I, I like touting the bad players, and I'll never stop. Speaking of back, bad players, I actually went a little out of order here. Um, I, I skipped over my tight end 13, one spot ahead of Hayden Hurst. That is the Evan Ingram, 23% rostered. Uh, did you know he had the second best target share among tight ends last week, only to Mark Andrews? Uh, he has the fourth most tight end receptions on the season. Like, again, these tight ends are not good. Most of them are not good players, but he is getting targeted. There are very few tight ends that have any volume this year. And that is enough in a game against the Chargers where I think Jacksonville is going to be playing from behind. I You can start Evan Ingram this week. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not pretty. I know nobody's ever going to feel comfortable starting Evan Ingram, but he's getting the volume, and that's really all we can hope for at this point once we get past tight end nine or whatever in our rankings. So um, next up, uh, tight end 15, I have Tyler Conklin. Um, he is playing against the Bengals, only 12% rostered. He's only one of 11 tight ends with a 20% target share last week. He played 100% of the snaps last week with CJ Uzama out, and Uzama's limited again in practice on Wednesday. He's got the fifth most targets among all tight ends. Like all three of these, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, and Tyler Conklin, they're just all in the same boat. They're on the field a ton. The coaches trust them. They're getting the ball thrown their way. Not the greatest ceilings, but none of these guys do. So you're just hoping for a touchdown for the big week. But uh, I feel confident that these three are not going to give you a goose egg. And that's better than we can say about some of these players. I have ranked below them, like Irv Smith, uh, Mike Gesicki. Like he, it looked encouraging for him last week playing from behind, but he still was only in on 62% of the snaps. So he has a glimmer of hope there. But um, I'm still playing these guys above like Hunter Henry, Albert O, Robert Tanyan, Cole Komet. Like all these guys have just disappeared from their offenses. So give me Ingram, Hurst, and Conklin. And um, I don't know. If we see something about something out of these more talented tight ends, then I'm willing to reconsider. Yeah, I just want to – add that Tyler Conklin I would not jam in with all with bad players if we're talking about bad tight ends I think Tyler Conklin is secretly amazing personally all he does is he's even in Minnesota he was commanding a target share he was doing better than KJ Osborne like what what more can you ask of a guy comes Uh into New York uh gets less money than CJ Uzoma and outplays him throughout the preseason and even up until Uzoma gets hurt like 
Yeah. Tyler Conklin's good, guys. Man, I, I'm right on board with you. I've got so many best ball teams where he's my tight end three that I drafted in the last round, and I felt stupid at the time, and he's he's been my best tight end so far. It's just tight end. It's hilarious. I, I don't know what else to say. So, okay, that's a good look at tight end streamers. Let's get to defensive streamers. Um, I'm going to run through a few of these, Ryan, and then let's just kind of try to figure out the order here because I was having a little trouble this week. I, I think tight end streaming has actually been a little tough the last two weeks. So uh, 50% rostered. We've got the Browns at home against the Steelers. Um, we've got the Eagles at 47% against the com- uh, Commanders in Washington. Uh, we've got Chicago, 28% rostered home against Houston. And we've got Minnesota, 18% rostered home against Detroit. Um, I've got my thoughts on these groups, but is there anyone that stands out to you there? It's like the clear, like this is the one you should target on your waivers. Uh, I, I'd say I like the Browns the most, but they're they're the yeah. least available. Uh, as, as far as the available defenses, I would say Chicago is probably where I would go to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are underdogs, which you don't love when you're streaming defenses. But that that game is just I, see. I'm talking so much about this game and how bad <laughs> it's going to be. Watch it be the highest scoring game on the slate this week. I I hope that happens. I'm rooting for that honestly, but. Yeah, there's Davis Mills has not been good this year. Don't don't listen to anyone that tells you he has been. So I think Chicago has a lot of upside as far as turnovers. Similar thoughts on the Eagles. Um, like we you mentioned this, but we didn't go into enough detail on it. Probably the commanders had zero points at halftime last week. And we know Carson Wentz is an interception machine. So I, even though I think this will ultimately be a high scoring game where Wentz could be good in fantasy, the commander's options could be good in fantasy. I can see an Eagles pick six or two like pretty easily. And that that's going to make your day for a fantasy defense. Yeah, I agree. I, I, Eagles are probably my favorite. I mean, Browns, it's hard to pass that up at home against Trubisky, but um, I, I don't know the Eagles like. I've got him as defense seven on the week. Like they didn't play well week one against Detroit, but apparently Detroit's just a really good offense. Uh, They rebounded last week, only gave up seven points, two sacks, three interceptions against Minnesota. Like, like you said, if we get a game script where Wentz is playing from behind against the Eagles, like give me that all day. Good things will happen. The Eagles are the type of team I think that can kind of bury them and, and run up the score on them. So I, I really like that Eagles matchup and there's there's a part of me that wants to go to the Vikings as well, but again, they're playing the lions and maybe the lions are just a good offense, but uh, Minnesota does have seven sacks in two games against the Packers and Eagles. So I think there is a little bit of talent on that defense, but maybe we should be avoiding the lions for the time being. It's just, it's so, it just feels very comfortable to pencil in the defense against the lions every week. It does. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing I will say for the Vikings is that uh, aside from the Browns, they are the only home favorite that you have on this list. And that's traditionally a good sign for defenses, even in high total games. So if you could do worse than the Vikings. All right. Well, all four of those options are in my top 14 defenses. So you do have some, uh, some reasonable options here. And yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we can uh, find some better streamers next week. Cause I, I do think, we haven't had quite the slam dunks defensive streaming that you see uh, this time of the year usually. So, all right, that pretty much wraps it up, Ryan. Um, I told a story about uh, fishing and an otter compared that to Tevin Coleman. I think it was an overall successful podcast. So uh, anything you want to add in before we uh, get out of here for the day? The otter analogy is going to be on my brain, like constantly for the rest of this year, it's going to be all I think about. And anytime I 
think of a player that I don't want to think about and that I don't want to even be involved in a situation, all I, all I'm going to be able to think is, oh, they're an otter. Like, I'm thank you for doing this to my mind. Yeah, I don't think we caught any fish that day. So maybe it is true. If you see an otter, just just pack it up and go home. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Check out QB List for the Sit Start podcast. Uh, we got Ryan's range of outcomes, Sit Start tool, um, the Sit Start article at QB List, I should say. Uh, I'm just I'm just distracted here with otter stories. So thanks for listening, everyone. It's been fun as always, and we will talk to you soon on the Wealthy Soft Podcast. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.